Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chaskovsky here with Caleb Peterson. I had to go, I had to go anger bike. I just like biked up a hill um, because <laughs> I was so mad. I was up 20 goddamn points. Tyree Kill sucks. God damn it. <laughs> I'm so mad. And I, I thought I was going to be rich. <laughs> Fill an entire parking structure with that. Fill an entire baseball stadium. Yankee Stadium is filled with Lambos. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on the Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chaskovsky here with Caleb Peterson and shortly we'll be breaking down all the sports related news, rumors, and drama that you will want to hear about. And we've got quite a hectic week as we missed last week, which allows us to kind of go back, steal a couple stories from back there, which is why we're going to be starting off in the MLB with the Dodgers signing the two biggest free pitcher free agent names available in both Otani and Yamamoto. Then we'll probably get into some MLB rule changes. Before heading into the NFL and taking a peek at the playoff pictures, we've got, I think, I think you said three weeks left in the season, right? Yep. 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 So we've, we can see how things are kind of shaping up and who might be making a last-second push. Then we'll talk about the Chargers firing Brandon Staley and what that could mean for them. And a whole heck of a lot going on over there, as I know. I believe, Isn't Herbert out now for a bit? I think they've got them yeah, out for the season. Out for the season. They've got themselves quite a hole to dig themselves out of currently. Then we'll move into the NHL. We'll talk about the Devils somehow finding a loophole in the NHL's uh, no-themed warm-up jersey rule, which has been a rather controversial one. The Senators firing DJ Smith. And lastly, but not least, we've got in the NBA, the Pistons are on a 25-game losing streak, nearing the record, and John Morant is back, so who doesn't love that? Make sure to check us out on YouTube, Fresh Take Network, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, as we have new content coming out every single week on each and every single one of those platforms. Caleb, are you ready to get into it? Absolutely. So the Dodgers have made quite a splash in the last couple of weeks or last two weeks, I guess I should say, signing both Shohei Otani and I don't want to mispronounce his first name because I honestly do not quite know how to pronounce it yet, but Yamamoto from Japan, signing him to a 12-year, $325 million contract. And I, as more of a baseball casual, I did not really know much about him. I, I watched a little bit of him when he played in the baseball classic in 2023, I think, 2022. Which one was it? I can't remember. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. one of those one of those years, and he was really good. <laughs> he made a lot of those Amer- a lot of American hitters look not very good. And while researching before this episode, he is he deserves this contract. It looks like because he's won back to back to back. They're called Sawamura Awards, which is Japan's equivalent to the Cy Young posting an ERA under 1.7 in each of those three seasons, which is pretty nuts. <laughs> I mean, the more you read into him, the more you can kind of understand why he was given this contract. And now the Dodgers have locked down two of our, if Yamamoto works out over in the MLB, two of arguably the best pitchers in the league. Once Otani can get back to pitching, obviously, but I think this Dodgers team is going to yeah. be pretty stupid for the next little while, which, I mean, they've already been pretty stupid for the last last little while, but they just got a whole lot better, which there's definitely a point where I think, at least I thought that these two would be going to the Yankees, 
So, I guess I'm not complaining. This is a better of two evils, at least the way I look at it. Because, I mean, at least they're in... As, as a Blue Jays fan, at least they're in the National League. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, as a Mariners fan, I can feel the same. And it's like, I'm glad to get Otani out of my division. Like, he's in the same city. He just moved moved to the other conference. Perfectly fine with me. Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting that Yamamoto is choosing to go to the Dodgers here. Because really his... The fact that he got this contract... The fact that it's A, for so long, and B, for so much money, um, the most in MLB history for a pitcher, which is crazy for a guy who has never played an MLB game, um, that is all because Otani set the precedent before him by coming from Japan and immediately dominating in the MLB and showing that the comparison between the two leagues is maybe if you're dominating in that league, chances are you will be able to dominate in the MLB. Um, Otani made that possible. And it's becoming, like, the next great, like, it's... In baseball, you're always searching for the next great thing, right? And it's looking, like, out in Japan, that's where... Um, that's starting to come from, with Otani leading the way. Um, I think that the biggest Otani thing for me... As well. Like, there's been a couple examples with mm-hmm. it, with you, Darvish, and uh, the other name that I'm seeing on this article that, again, I, I don't know how to pronounce a lot of these names, so I feel a little bad, but Masahiro Tanaka, I believe... Both having yep. combined seven all-star selections. I mean, that's that's got to show something, right? I mean, it's this is the one sport where a player can come from a completely different league and just instantly sign an insane contract and dominate. Like, you just don't see that anywhere yeah. else. Like, there's the only similarity I can think of is, like, the NBA with the European leagues occasionally we'll see a guy come over and he'll be pretty good, but never to this level. Like never somebody who comes over and just instantly is expected to be a superstar. Like that's very, yeah. very rare in any other sport. And seeing we're seeing this almost on a like how long ago I think Otani came over in twenty eighteen. So like once every five years we're just seeing a Japanese player come over and just be insane, <laughs> sign an insane contract and just add to the talent that is already spread across the league. I mean, sadly it's for the, for the Dodgers, but I'm honestly, I'm pretty excited to see him play. I remember watching him in the world in that world baseball classic. Cause I know that was my introduction to him. I hadn't heard of him or seen him prior to that. And I mean, they beat America. I think everybody, or Again, baseball casual through and through, but like I definitely would have expected America to win those games, but no, Japan kicked their ass. Like it was actually pretty cool yeah. to see. Like, I mean, I, I'm definitely excited for what this means for. It's always exciting to see more foreign players coming in in like any sport. We've seen it a lot in like the NHL for the last twenty years with Canadians starting to. While they're still dominating, they're starting to break down a little bit. We're seeing more and more Europeans and just players from all over the world coming in and doing it. And we're seeing that even more in baseball. And I, I already I know that has been a more common thing in baseball, but it's still it's still cool to see, nonetheless. So I'm I'm definitely happy for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it just shows how much more of a global sport baseball is compared to anything else. Like you're right, it really is unprecedented in in any other sport. Because I mean in yeah, in basketball you see it sometimes where you get players like Luca or more recently like Wembenyama, they're coming in, um, and they're proven that they can 
um, be a, like especially with Luca with the sustained success he's had with Wembenyama. Obviously, we'll see. Um, but I feel like it's a, there's a difference between that and someone like Otani coming in and immediately being the best player um, to play baseball in a long time and getting the biggest contract in MLB history um, by a long shot. It wasn't even particularly close. I think the next. I'm going to have my stats completely off, but I think the next closest contract was like 200 or 300 million less in terms of um, the precedent that it set. And then for Yamamoto to come in and get a 12-year deal, like those are completely unprecedented. Um, and no other sport is seeing that um, other than baseball, which I think is super cool. And if, it, if it's going to give that World Baseball Classic, like you keep bringing it up as your introduction to Yamamoto, that is unbelievable like that that event i am not a baseball fan um because you're a, more of a casual baseball fan simon i'm even more of a casual baseball yeah. fan i will check the mariner scores on the score app maybe a couple of times a week I'd and probably, i'll keep up with the news but i probably watch maybe 30 base like blue jays games a year i kind of spread it out yeah but, I mean, I still like to check oh, in every yeah. once in a while. I, I'm still sad. Actually, this is a good time to bring it up. I am very depressed about the fact that the Blue Jays didn't get Otani. That was so <laughs> heartbreaking. Like, I... This was they like... They had to give you a little hope. They had to give I you I know, hope. I know. Because I, the whole time, I was thinking he's going to the Dodgers. Why would he choose the Blue Jays over the Dodgers? It doesn't make sense. And then the plane happened. Like, the whole plane thing happened. I was like... Holy shit, we're gonna get Otani. <laughs> and then, nope, it nope. was just some guy from Shark Tank, and we're not getting Otani. But hey, we got a guy from Shark Tank. <laughs> Lovely. I thought it was funny. Apparently, the guy, the guy who it was, was was saying on Twitter after the game, it's like, oh yeah, I'm really sorry, I'm not Otani, but yeah. my six year old son throws a mean fastball if the Blue Jays are still interested. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we'll take him at this point. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll sign him to yeah, a no, twenty five year contract. Let's make it work. <laughs> it's an investment in the future. But yeah, no, like it's like going back to that world baseball classic, it's that event, even though I know like jack shit about baseball, um, that got me interested. I was like keeping up with that. Oh yeah. And I don't think I was able to games for whatever reason but i was like continually checking in and more interested in that than i had ever been anything in baseball because just such a a cool global display of talent for a sport like that that is really like kind of unmatched and um i believe they're bringing uh because i know baseball in the olympics has had a little bit of a rocky history but we did a segment on it and i believe it's it's um coming back full force yeah they're bringing it back at some point Um, i thought it was 2020 yeah they're bringing it back at some point right I think they're. I don't. I'm maybe getting my sports mixed up. I don't know if they're. I thought um, it was 26, but I'm not sure. I'd have to look it. I'd have to double check. It might be 2026. Yeah. Or no, no. 2026 is winter, so it's it's either oh, 2024 shit. or 2028. Yeah, you're. Right. Um. Yeah. But e- either way, that's going to be incredible. Um, to just have that full kind of national stage of talent. Um, because when the Olympics are hit and miss for a lot of sports but when you actually have all of the world's best talent playing for their countries that's the thing that's just like transcends anything else um because baseball is a cool sport baseball um i i 
kind of hate on it a lot, but I think it's just because it's overdone to the point of um, and not being interesting anymore. But like watching the Mariners try to get into the playoffs or watching them in the playoffs for the first time in like 21 years, that stuff is amazing. And this new wave of players with like Otani and Yamamoto setting the stage for a potential like amazing um, scene in global baseball for years to come, like that's exciting for me. And that's something... Um, if you're looking to grow the game of baseball that's kind of been um, on life support for the last few years, like this is how you do it. And I I really hope that um, the Yamamoto signing works out because we know Otani's going to be good. I mean, uh, we know he's going to. The more I look into it, 700 it's million. Like, it is crazy. Yeah. 1.16 ERA the, last year. What even is that? Across, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I can't even think of the last time I would have seen one that low in it's, any league. Yeah. Like, it's a lot to live up to. A 12-year yeah, 12 yeah. highest-paid contract in MLB history without having uh, thrown a single pitch in an MLB game. That's a lot to live up to. So I'm not going to no, come he, out he here and say he's an immediate superstar. No, he, he can't be yeah, a Yeah, he, like, he can't be a bust. Like, they, by giving nothing. him this contract, they have said there is, like, he has to live up to the potential. Which, I mean, I don't know him or how he deals with pressure obviously an amazing player i mean he's um, never had an era in. in his six-year career over in japan over 2.4 like yeah what which is crazy <laughs> it is crazy it's just like i don't even have a i don't even have words to describe how stupid that is like i can't like how many players? How many players in baseball in the MLB have ever had? Obviously, he's gonna have a step down in stats. I think that's a safe assumption. Like yeah. he's he's not going to come into the MLB and throw one point one six ERA. That's not happening. Yeah. The, but, the um, question the question is how how sharp that step down is. Yeah. Will it be a step yeah. down that still places him in like Cy Young contention? Well, or I will think it a, be a like major step down? I wonder what Otani's stats in the japan league were like mm -hmm. and i mean the thing about otani too is that he um his stats probably will be especially in terms of pitching will probably be not as good just because otani's thing is his dual threat ability like that's yeah. what makes him special yeah i think it's still an interesting thing to take a peek at though um, yeah just to see oh, the difference. nowhere as good wow um in his last year I'm trying to understand this. Um, no, it's still pretty impressive, but it's nowhere close. Like mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of like he has a he had a lot of like three point two, three point four two. He had a season at one point eight six. Twenty fifteen, two point two four. Like still impressive obviously but when you when you go from looking at what otani did to looking at yamamoto's stats it's not close yamamoto is like at least compared to what otani was doing to be fair otani was younger but c comparing them isn't very close yamamoto blows him out of the water yeah yeah and it's like the other thing to to think about if this um if Yamamoto plays up to this contract and is a Hall of Fame level pitcher, um, how much do you think that opens the door for other players in 
Japanese leagues. I mean, yeah, or I, think even it's, other I think the door's already wide open. I, I think that yeah, obviously even, it'll even, keep even going. then, like, because yeah. right right now the MLB is kind of just skimming the superstars off the top. It's like Otani, Yamamoto, guys you can't miss. But like you wonder like how much more talent is in there. Um, oh, I'm sure there is because like yeah, because Yamamoto is playing at a significantly higher level than the rest of them. But even those like top five percent, like I'm sure they could compete in the MLB too. Um, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Um. Yeah. The longer I look at the stat sheet, the more it just. It, it's. It, <laughs> it, I seriously don't even know what to say about it. Like it's stupid. This yeah. if this guy can do anything remotely close to what he's got here, he's going to be insane in the MLB. That contract is going. He might be the most the highest paid pitcher in the in the MLB. But if he can get anywhere close to a one point one six, people are going to be calling him underpaid. Like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with these long term contracts, right? It's like it's a huge risk in terms of the bust potential. But if he lives up to like 70% of what he's being hyped as or what those stats are, then yeah, you're right, it's going to be an underpay. And with how long term it is, I mean, the like. The one nitpick that people had on him that I'm reading about is that, and this should show you that how small of a nitpick it on it, because it's not even really that, it's very minor, is that his fastball's only, and I emphasize only, 95 miles per hour. Only. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. Wow, golly gee. I mean, yeah, literally in the article it says, while 95 miles per hour alone won't blow anyone away, it's like Jesus. If he's if he makes it work, he makes it work. I think that's quicker than a lot of pitchers in the MLB. A lot of elite ones as well. Yep. I don't think. Uh, oh God, I just put my. I I don't think I could name one off the top of my head. But I. I'm gonna make myself look dumb. Does Garrett Cole throw that fast of a fastball? I feel like he's one. I would put his team, so. Ninety-seven. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> point still stands what's two miles per hour he'll be fine like uh yeah there's plenty of there's plenty of p- pitchers in the mlb who survive up with 90 mile per hour 95 will still kill and from what i'm reading he's got a killer curveball splitter was also really really good in japan his cutter is what he uses the least but still th- he still throws it at 92 miles per hour I mean, what else can you say about him? He's going to be good. Like, I I don't know if there's... Even with how... I don't know. Even with how, like... I don't know. I'm having a stroke. I'm tired. First segment of the day. Week off. Whatever. (laughs) We're getting back into it. But, yeah, he's going to be good. I I seriously... Even with how, like, mental pitching in baseball is i seriously just don't this guy's confidence has to be through the roof like this he's i mean he's got to just be ready i i don't think there is a player on earth more ready to go up to the mlb and just instantly dominate yeah and i mean that's what they're saying with with yeah. how long they're paying him for they're pay, paying him until what 20 2035 20, <laughs> i'm yeah. like we're gonna be 
in our thirties at that point when this contract expires, like <laughs> oh, yeah. to, give, to give perspective on how long that's going to be. Yeah. Um, but let's let's say that because how long how long was Otani's contract? Um, oh. Was Otani Otani's was was similarly long? Was I think similar. it was like I, was it twelve? I can't remember. It was. I don't know if the, I don't know if it was matching. I feel like it might have been ten. Um, yeah, ten. 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 That makes sense. So though, let's say Tony okay. is older. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but um, I mean, another thing we can talk about as well is how they're like uh, structuring his deal. I don't. Did you hear about that at all? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, they're, they're going to be paying seven hundred until after he leaves. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Like, uh, he's going to be only getting paid two million per year for the next ten seasons. Like, I mean, yeah, the Dodgers are going to win everything. <laughs> they're going to be rough. I don't under, like, I don't understand. I don't understand how that works. Neither do I. Mean, I know baseball doesn't have a salary cap, so it doesn't even really matter. I guess. Um, I guess. But I mean. I mean, he's gonna just get paid like seventy million, or not seventy million a season. It's, oh no, it kind of is seventy million a season. It's close, I think. Like after his, uh, probably once he retires. I mean, it's a smart. It's it's honestly kind of smart on his part. Like I respect it a it lot. It is because I mean he. Like it's no smart on his part because I mean he's gonna be raking in. That two million dollars, obviously, yeah, anybody's gonna be fine with two million dollars yeah, per no, year. That's that's good. But, you'll be, you'll um, be. but he's also making stuff from. Well, he's a player. He's gonna be making stuff from endorsements and jersey sales. Like, there's going to be all sorts of yeah. other income that he's getting. And then once he doesn't have that anymore, now that's when the real money like, kicks in. On like advertisements and stuff. Like he's gotta be and sponsors. He's gotta be making. He's he's. I see him on like the, the New Balance ads all the time. Yeah, yeah, he's gotta be making at least ten, like even with with even without his contract. So I I don't think he has to worry about money. <laughs> He'll live. Nope. Nope. Um. Okay. I'll 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 kind of end. I think I'll end this segment with a question for you, Simon. Okay. Uh. So Otani Otani's deal is ten years, and Yamamoto, barring things going wrong or whatever. He's going to be there that entire time, too. The next 10 years, how many World Series titles are the Dodgers going to win? Oh. Well, a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they. I feel like we've been waiting for the Dodgers to really take over the MLB, and it hasn't really happened. I know they won one at some point in the last five years, but I don't... I mean, this is the best team they're going to have by far. Once Otani's healthy... This team's gonna be ridiculous. I don't yeah. know if they win next year. So no. Yeah, I I was because he's not healthy. Yeah. Well, I think Otani can hit, but I don't think he can pitch. I think that's what they he were can't saying. Pitch. So, and whether that's an issue for the the Dodgers have the depth to deal with it. Like they have the stupidest yeah. like pitching thing ever, and Otani will still be an incredible hitter. So I I don't even think that'll be too big of an issue for them. But I. I don't know. I don't. I. I just don't think it takes one year to get used to a new team, really. So I'd say they don't win this year, but they're probably ballpark, probably four. I'd say they win four. Because like a four, well, yeah, yeah. Otani's thinking... had some injury issues. Let's assume he he goes out for a couple more seasons every once in a while, right? Like, uh, yeah. 
Ah, uh, yeah, four. I think four is a pretty safe number. But if in ten years we're looking at it and they won half and they actually won five, I don't know if I'd be too surprised. They've got the stupidest team in baseball. It's not close. Yeah. It's going to be – it's set up to be the next dynasty. And, I mean, it is tough to make projections this far out because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. And it's so – like, things things can happen in the playoffs, especially when it's, like, only a five-game series or whatever. Like, stupid shit can happen. Um, I'd say three to four is pretty ballpark, which it, – it fe- and it feels like I'm lowballing them. Yeah, yeah, that's Which, the weird saying thing, right? they're going to win three championships, that feels and, – and it feels – for any other team, that's astronomical. Like that oh, is yeah. a di- that is a dynasty. I would love um, for if two you win three championships in ten years. Yeah, like most teams don't get one in like fifty years. Um, so to say that we're fe- it feels like we're lowballing them, that's just how insane this team is going to be, and how impactful this last week has been for the dog. Has any baseball team ever had any any? I'll I'll say I'll take it up another notch. Has any sports team ever had as good of a week as the Dodgers have had this last week? That's like, because you could take obviously winning championships, but like in terms of setting yourself up for the future, you've just signed the two hottest commodities in baseball for the next decade plus. I can't. That has got to be one of the best. That's got to be one of the best weeks a team has had in a long time and i cannot imagine how imagine how ecstatic dodgers fans are and props honestly to dodgers management and ownership for being willing to spend this amount of money to invest in your team they've always been willing to spend that much right that's the that's the dodgers for you like they yeah and i mean it's because they're a big market what's their budget look like now but still it's got to be through the roof like Budget 2024. Um, okay, that's with taxes, but we can ignore that. Dodgers are the highest, but only by a million dollars. I don't know, is this... When was this? This was three hours ago. So yeah, they... I, mean, I wonder how much... Otani's weird contract situation factors into it. Yeah, so they are at 285 million. The Mets, who are in second, are at 284. And yeah, Ooh. actually, that's a good point with Otani's contract. Yeah, you have to. You that's a really good point. Actually, I wasn't even thinking about that. Like, how much does that actually impact it? What would their if he never changed it? What would their salary look like well i mean it's 70 million per year so it would top them so let's assume that this is at two million yeah oh my god it's insane that is insane okay well we can move on i think i think we've we've talked about how good the dodgers are gonna be and how we're all gonna have to cry a lot in the next three ten years enough we can move on (laughs) we're gonna talk about the nfl next All right, so we're getting into the last three weeks of the NFL season, and it's probably one of the most congested playoff fields I think I've ever seen in my, like, whatever it's been now, like 10, 11 years of watching the NFL. You've got, there's only, we're three weeks left, there's only six teams that have actually been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, which leaves, what is that, 26 teams that all still have a chance to take that last spot. Um, and it's really interesting because there's a lot of teams that are kind of congealed 
uh, with about the same record. I'll give the so four teams have clinched. We've got the Ravens, Niners, Cowboys, Eagles. They've all clinched. Um, Dolphins, Lions, Chiefs. They uh, haven't clinched yet, but their chance of making the playoffs is very high. Um, but the rest of these teams, it's all up in the air. So we'll just, um, I don't know how you want to do this, Simon, but I, I was thinking we could just go through all of the teams that are kind of on the fringe and kind of see what what we think about their chances to make it. Um, yeah. You want to start in the AFC or NFC, Simon? What do you think? Oh. Hmm. I mean, AFC might be a bit more interesting just because there is only one team that's clinched. That's yeah. pretty insane to me at this point. But there is quite a few who are very close. Yeah. So okay, we'll start. We'll start in the AFC, and we'll start. So, out of the teams that are still alive, there's a couple that are Raiders and Chargers are technically still alive, but their their chances of actually doing anything with that are pretty slim. Um, Chargers' current odds are less than one percent. Raiders' current odds are two. So we'll we'll get them out of the picture to start. Yeah, we don't we don't need um, to. We'll start with the, that. But we don't need to dwell on them. Um, the Broncos. So the Broncos. We'll start with the Broncos. They are are very interesting because obviously they had the rough start to the season. They went one and five to start, and they've been on a hot streak. Um, but they're coming off a disappointing loss in Detroit. Um, Simon, what do you think about the Broncos potentially making the playoffs? I'll pull up their schedule to see what they're yeah they're heading up against. The their last three games are. Are Patriots, Chargers, and Raiders all very winnable games? That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, that makes me feel a lot better about their odds, actually, considering their opponents for the last couple here. Because, I mean, we just spoke on how the Chargers and Raiders not very good teams, especially now that the Chargers don't have Herbert. Yeah. Raiders just weren't very a very good team to begin with. I mean, they. They have a very easy schedule. This, I think the only thing stopping the Broncos at this point is the Broncos. I, they just gotta, they just gotta do it, right? It's as simple as that. They just can't yeah. lose a game that they should win. I mean, this yeah. has kind of been and a it, comeback year for a lot of players on this Broncos team, including Russell Wilson. It's been a very, yeah. very much a bounce back year. So I mean, I would definitely not say they can't do it i think they've definitely got a very good shot at it but uh i guess we'll just have to see how the cookie crumbles on that one i'm surprised their odds is only are only 28 percent. yeah i think the biggest thing for them is just the amount of competition that they have because it's uh when you have so there's in terms of the wild card spots you got the browns at nine and five right now and then there's a whole bunch of teams at eight and six Bengals, colts texans bills the thing that the tricky thing about the Broncos is that they need um, at least two of those teams to drop a game, and then you have to have the tiebreaker over them. Mm. That's what's kind of tricky about the Broncos, is because they can win all of those games, but unless they see people in front of them start dropping games, um, it may be out of their control, which is part of why that Lions game was so big. Um, yeah. Just because we're getting to the point of the season where you can win out and you can win all your games, but it might not matter just because of what you've done earlier in the season, which kind of sucks for a Broncos team that you're right has been resurgent. Um, so that's, that's the Broncos. They, they have a decent shot to get in, but they're going to need some help. Um, we'll move on to the Steelers um, who are practically a dead man walking 
at this point. Their their latest game against the Bengals, um, that if they win, their percentage of making it goes up to thirteen. But if they lose, they're practically out of it. Um, what do you Rudolph think in terms of the out? Mason Rudolph is starting. Good point. Yeah, like I think it's... is the outlook look for them potentially beating the Bengals and then going on. They have, I think they have the the, the Seahawks after that. Do you give them any shot to make the playoffs? Well, I don't think they're necessarily fighting for the playoffs. I think at this point they're fighting to keep Tomlin's streak alive. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, I I would not bet on them making it, because I mean they almost have the opposite issue of the Broncos, where their schedule is rough. Like Bengals, Seahawks, Ravens. Yeah. Those are three good teams. Yeah. Like I think that uh, I think they're going to run into a bit of a brick wall because I don't think they beat the Bengals. I doubt they beat the Seahawks, and they're definitely not beating the Ravens, unless the Ravens just don't play Lamar or something in the last game or two. Because I mean they've already clinched, so like who knows what could happen yeah. with that? I guess it could just be a last game fluke, but I don't think at the, once I, once we get to that game, I don't think it's going to matter. No, and I I think the biggest thing for the Steelers is I think they already had their chance if you look back at their last three games you talk about how rough their schedule is now they yeah. had an absolute cakewalk they lost to the 2 and 10 Cardinals by 14 points and then they lost in prime time to the 2 and 10 Patriots you're you lost back to back to two win teams when I think if they won both those games they're in a playoff spot you're sitting at nine and five um even if you lose a couple of these next few games you're probably getting in um, it's really just a testament to. I think the Steelers team has been the have been the biggest frauds. I think they're a lot worse than their seven and seven record says. Um, just because they've been squeaking by, finding ways to win. Mike Tomlin's putting them ahead. Um, I don't know. I I don't even know. You you're saying they're playing for their streak. I don't even think that is possible for no, them to I win two out of their next three games yeah that's gonna be rough god i wonder who um, would have could have predicted at the beginning of the year that tomlin would tomlin's streak would end people <laughs> doubted me i had people come up to me it's and go true. simon simon that is a terrible take and i was like just you just you watch there is a graphic on the instagram go check out the instagram i am the best nfl uh, analyst in the game, apparently. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it looked it it looked a little bit rough to start off with how good they were doing, but um, they've, yeah. they've fallen back to earth just like you predicted. Um, yeah. Speaking of, of <laughs> yeah, of good no, I definitely, I one hundred percent definitely predicted that they lose the Colts, uh, Patriots, Cardinals, and whoever else they <laughs> lost to. One hundred percent, that was the exact. Don't go back and watch our. That I mean. Episode. That's I mean, exactly we. I mean, I we don't need to. We don't need to look into the details. All you said <laughs> is that the streak would be over. So that's, that's all. all that's all we need. Yeah, to do. there you go. Um, speaking of potentially good um, predictions from our AFC preview show, the Bills are currently sitting outside the playoff picture, uh, which is something that uh, I think you predicted that. This yeah. one right here predicted at the start of the season. Um, not looking. Not looking too great for me though, because I think the yeah. Bills, out of any of these teams, have one of the best shots to make it. I mean, um, they've got a. Wild... They've had a. Like, uh, they've got a wild probability right now. That's another one. This is a playoff game for them, basically. Like, if they win, they have a 70% chance of making. If they lose, they have a 28. The one difference maker in that entire thing is that they're facing the Chargers. <laughs> yep. 
And then after that, they're facing the Patriots, who who beat them earlier in the season, it must be said. But, I mean, at this point, the Bills are a different team than they were in the first half. Um, that Dolphins yeah. game um, at the end of the season will be tough, but I think at that point, they could probably afford to drop one. Um yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. Um, I think that they've looked significantly better in the last stretch of the year. They had a really rough stretch before, like after that Broncos loss, dropping games to like the Jaguars, Patriots, Bengals. Um, wasn't looking too hot, but um, they've just rung off wins against the Chiefs and the Cowboys, two of the best teams in. Uh, both of their respective conferences and now have a relative cakewalk schedule that can hopefully I, I, I mean I don't as much as I would like to say I'm, I was right and that I predicted the, the Bills to miss the playoffs I think they are one of the best seven teams in the conference and I think if a team like the Colts or their um, as much as I love the Bengals even the Bengals get in ahead of them that's going to make for less exciting football than if Josh Allen and a Bills team on the rise uh, makes it in because as if they make it in as a seven seed um, they might be the first seven seed ever to really make some noise because they are a good team. Yeah, no, they that eight and six record feels fake. I mean, they've since the start of the year. Sure, they've had a couple bumps in the road, but I think most people figured that the Bills would be one of the best teams in the AFC this year. And j- just like you yeah. said, they definitely are going to have a chance to show that once the playoffs actually come around. But that AFC is rough across the board. Like it's there's a lot of good teams there, so it'll. I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. I think it's it's gonna be this is gonna be a super exciting playoff. I think because there are yeah. a lot of teams that could win it all this year. I think it'll yeah. be it'll be an interesting one. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm really hoping that teams like the Bills make it in because I do think there's some pretenders in the mix. Like I'm, I don't know how much a, a Gardner Minshew Colts team is actually gonna make noise in the playoffs or a Joe Flacco Browns team. Elite. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I I can't doubt him too much because I mean he's been playing the whole season and they're in a playoff spot right now, which is um, more than I can say for my team. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, like it'll we'll 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 get to the, we'll get to them later too. Um, another Minshew. team that's I think <laughs> he's had a pretty good year. Yeah, like looking at his stats, honestly, he, he has a he has a pretty good year. He has a pretty he had has had a pretty good year. Like it's it's been impressive. Um. Speaking of people who have had a pretty good year in the AFC South, uh, CJ Stroud in the Houston Texans. Oh, yeah. Um, probably the biggest surprise of the year. Um, I don't know if anybody saw this coming, even if you were the biggest Stroud supporter to start the year. They are 8-6. and six. Um, Just like you said about the Bills game, this is another one that's like basically a playoff game coming up against the Browns. If they lose their game. probability, that is a tough game. Their probability will drop to 32% if they lose and 74% if they win. Um, that's that's pretty pretty stark. I you got. I will say that I think you got to hope CJ Stroud's back. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think if the Texans don't make it this year, I think if the NFL is rigging any games in their so-called script, I think it'll be these next couple ones. Because <laughs> I think I think everyone involved just wants the Texans in. Like, this has been such a just, like, storybook season for this Texans team, just all across the board, that I think, uh, I don't know, I think it'd be really disappointing if they somehow didn't make it at this point. 
Yeah. It really would be because they've they've had quality wins against quality teams. They just they have weird moments where they uh like they lose to the Panthers. What's up with that? Or they'll lose to the Jets. Um and make Zach Wilson look like a starting NFL quarterback. Um they're an interesting team, but I think they're good enough to make noise in the playoffs. They're um again beating teams like I think that they beat the Bengals with Joe Burrow, um, which is no small task. Um, beating the Broncos, keeping it close against the Jags. Um, lots of good quality wins in there. Beating the Jags earlier in the season by 20 points. Who I don't, don't remember that. Um, <laughs> they are a good, fun, interesting team. They've had the injury bug hit them a little bit. Stroud didn't play the last game with Case Keenum kind of keeping their season alive. But if he's back that game against Cleveland, it'll be, it'll definitely be one of the better games of the week. And I think whoever, I, the Browns are looking a little bit better because they have a game up, so they'll probably make it no matter what. But um, with Joe Flacco at quarterback, you don't really know. That could just be a straight up playoff game in terms of who's getting in and who's not. Um, well, another, Joe Flacco goes on to... and wins his second Super Bowl. It's not, it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> Wouldn't that be um, just lovely? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll move on to who we were talking about earlier with Gardner Minshew and the Colts. Yeah. Um, probably, one of, probably one of the biggest surprises of... Another one of the biggest surprises of the year. I'd argue a bigger um, surprise. Especially... Like, I can yeah, definitely say when, when Anthony Richardson went down, I thought this Colts team would be dead in the water. Yeah, because who would have thought that with somebody like Gardner Minshew they could pull anything like this off? But they've just been they've been such a gritty team. They've yeah. been staying in games. And they've got a just fairly pulling... good roster. Like that that's something that not a lot of people mm-hmm. talked about at the beginning of the year. Like they have a lot of very skilled players. I think um I don't think it should be as surprising as it kinda was to see Gardner Minshew, who's kinda just a field man like he can he can just go out there and just like use what he's got and he's going to make it work. Like, I think mm. this is, I don't know. I, I don't think it should be as surprising as it is. Is kind of what I'm saying. Like they're just yeah. making, they're uh, make, making it work with what they've been given. And a lot, a lot of it is coaching too with um, yeah, that's Shane it. Steichen coming in because you're right. They do have a talented roster, but this is also pretty much the same roster that Frank Reich had last year. And they kind of um, fell off. It's extremely hard at the end of the year last year. Um, so for Shane Steichen to come in and elevate this team without that kind of franchise quarterback that they had for the first few games, it's been extremely impressive. They've won, looking at this, they've won five out of their last six. Um, not all of them were world beaters kind of opponents, but um, all still quality wins, some against teams that are in playoff position right now, like the Bucks or the Steelers. Um yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. The next three games are pretty are relatively easy. They've got the Raiders, uh, the Falcons, and then they've got a Texans the Texans game at the end of the year that'll probably decide who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. Um, going to be really interesting to see how this plays out for the Colts down the stretch. Uh, we'll move on to another team that is surprising, perhaps for the not for the reasons that you might think, um, the Bengals who obviously, I mean, the Bengals were my Super Bowl pick at the start of the year. So it's not like it's surprising that they're here. But uh, 
for them to be there with Jake Browning is kind of the the surprising um, factor. I don't know if you've watched any Jake Browning football recently, Simon, but uh, you know um, they've looked they've looked they've looked pretty good, and they had it doesn't seem like they've taken that much of a step back from Burrow, which is surprising to say the least. Yeah, no, I can't say I have because I have not had a lot of time to watch a lot of NFL, but I have heard about it. I think that uh, it is insanely impressive that what he's been able to go out there and do. And if he can keep it up, I mean, sky's the real, re, sky's seriously the limits with this Bengals team, at least in my opinion. I think that they can go far. It's just whether, uh, I don't know. When you're using, when you're playing with a quarterback as inexperienced as Browning is, at least in this position, I think that uh, it is going to be pretty interesting, to say the least, to see what ends up happening. Yeah. And he's, he's proven himself time and time again um, since he's come in the lineup. And he's going to have to keep doing because it. Because he's going to have to keep doing it, especially with how, I mean, how many teams we've gone through already in the AFC. Like, you can tell this is a crowded field. Um, but you've got teams in his, I believe he started four games, lost to the, lost to the Steelers to start. But since then, he's rattled off wins against... Three teams, all of which are currently in the playoffs. Jaguars in overtime. Bengals by 20 points. Vikings in overtime. Those are good quality wins. And it's going to be... It's a tough schedule for the Bengals. Like, it, this is probably their biggest hurdle. They play the Steelers, which is probably a win. That's a win. Um, but they're still, te- they're still technically in playoff contention. Um, but then they've got the Chiefs and the Browns to finish this season. Ooh, that's rough. I think if they can pull off... I think if they can pull off... Or both of those games, <laughs> then my camera goes falling to the ground. Um, I think if they could pull off one or both of those games, they're they're in. No, I don't disagree. I think it's a similar. They're they're in a pretty interesting spot where it's just it is completely surrounding Jake Browning. That's the yeah. story, right? It's you you like I said, he's gonna have to keep proving himself. Can he win in this position? Can he win in that position? Can he win in the playoffs? That is going to be the story for the Bengals for the rest of the season. Like, I think... Uh, yeah. And if he can prove everyone wrong, like, it's... With the type of season that he's had, I mean, he's kind of setting himself... I'm su- I'm assuming he's not signed to more than a one-year deal. If he goes out there... Um, is he? Yeah, He's it's it's a little bit weird. He I believe he's an exclusive rights free agent, so he's technically a free agent, but like the Bengals have first dibs essentially in terms of re signing him. Kinda like an RFA and the NHL kind okay. of Okay. Yeah, I Okay, I think I know what you mean. <laughs> I was gonna say though, what's the chances the Bengals actually wanna bring him back? Obviously they have Burroughs. <laughs> like I think there's a good chance he could go somewhere else if he goes out there and continues to play the way he's playing. So yeah. I think uh, I think he's playing for a contract right now or a future contract. I don't know where that would be and what that would necessarily mean, but I think uh, if he can keep it up, he's he's making a career for himself this season. So I think, and there's a few there's a few quarterbacks this season that are doing that. I think it's pretty it's pretty insane when you look across the across the especially in the AFC. I mean Gardner Minshew Browning. We've got Joe Flacco for some reason on a nine and five team. Like, it's it's pretty it's pretty weird right now. <laughs> yeah, 
and we'll we can we can move we can move on to the to the NFC now but like um cuz we'll we'll we won't go into the Jags and Browns cuz they're probably going to make it um if they win the if the Browns win they're definitely they're pretty much in um and if the Jags win they're they go to almost 90%. Yeah. Um It'll be interesting if the Jags lose or the Browns lose, then it becomes a conversation. But we'll move. We'll move on to the NFC. Um, NFC is a little bit less crowded. Um, yeah. We've got, I'd say, about the Packers and Falcons have kind of played themselves out of the conversation. Um, currently, the Packers sit at about eighteen percent. Falcons at eleven. Um, they've kind of fallen off in recent weeks. Um, but it, I think it comes down to about four teams that are competing for the last two spots, and that's the Saints, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Vikings. Um, we'll start with the Saints, who just lost on Thursday night to the Rams. Um, what do you think about this this Saints team in terms of where they stand? They're currently at a 22% chance of making the playoffs. Well, do you think, especially think... in a weak division, do you think they have a shot? Yeah. That's that is the that is the thing. They do they are in probably the weakest division. Who's leading that division right now? Is it them? Uh, Tampa. Tampa. Oh yeah, I guess. I mean, they need to beat Tampa out. I think that's the, or at least they. I think. Am I right on that? Yeah. They. Yeah. Tampa. Tampa. They play Saints versus Bucks. Will happen next week. Okay. Yeah, I think um, they need to beat out Tampa. I think to make it. So I think that'll be. And I do think that Tampa's probably the better team, and I don't think it's that close. I think, uh, I mean, they're the Saints are seven and eight, so they can't be that bad. But I wouldn't necessarily go out on a whim and say I like their odds of making the playoffs. Yeah, they they need to win out. Like it's not a, a question. They need to win out. Um, that game against the Rams was pretty crucial. I think that game against the Rams, you're right, kind of killed any chance of them getting in as a wild card team. They kind of have to win their division now. Um, beat the Bucks and then beat the Falcons and hope the Bucks drop a game to the Jags this week, which is possible. Then they can definitely make in, but they really do need a lot of specific things to go right. Um, we'll move on. We'll move on to my team, um, which I think I honestly think. The outlook is a whole lot better than it once was. Um, we're sitting at a at a solid, uh, pretty much fifty percent chance of making it as of right now. But I think our schedule kind of gives us a little bit of an upper hand. We've got the Titans, the Steelers, and the Cardinals to end the season. Those are all very winnable games. Yeah. And we just came off a win against probably the second or third best team in the conference now, the Eagles. Um, with Drew Locke quarterback. We're getting Geno Smith back. If we can go on a roll and win all these three games, I think we're in. Yeah. I think we're in. I think this, this Seahawks team has been incredibly disappointing this year. Um, their two losses to the Rams are definitely the worst of their entire season. And because the Rams have the tiebreaker and are also in contention for that wild card spot, it could be the thing that ends their season. It could We could very well have had our season die on a missed Jason Myers field goal at SoFi Stadium a month ago. But I think um, we definitely have a shot. And I could see, we'll get to the Vikings later, but I could see the Seahawks and Rams both making it. And I think if I were to give a guess today, that would probably be what I'd say. What about you, Simon? Do you, do you 
feel more positive than not about the um, Seahawks making the playoffs with that kind of schedule? I mean, I do. I, I, I definitely think they can go 10-7 and to finish the year. They can win out. That's not a question to me. I think uh, it's more surrounding what the Rams do. The Rams and just... Because if the Rams went out, like, what's their schedule look like? If the Rams went out... Their schedule is because they just beat the the Saints, so they only have two games left, and I believe one of them is against the Niners. Um, the other one I don't remember who it it was, but it's a pretty it was a pretty cakewalk game from what I could remember. The the Giants, they have the Giants, the Giants so. this upcoming week, and then they have the 49ers, Yeah, so yeah, it's just up to whether they can win out because I think they. Uh, do you think they beat the 49ers? That I think honestly that depends on the game that happens on Christmas Day. If the Ravens beat the Niners and that number 1 seed in the NFC is still up for grabs, um I think the Niners will beat the Rams because they will be playing their starters. If the Niners beat the Ravens, I think they have that number 1 seed in the NFC locked up and I think they arrest their starters for that last game and I think the Rams win. I think that Kind of strangely, that 49ers-Ravens game kind of means a lot for um, the lower part of the NFC playoff picture, as kind of contradictory as it is. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I mean, I don't disagree with your take on the fact that you could see three teams out of the NFC West make it. I think that, that is, yep. there's a good chance that ends up happening just because of how easy the Seahawks' schedule is. But... I mean, with I mean, like you mentioned, this team has been disappointing. What's the odds that they just lose a game they should have won? Like, what's the odds they just drop one yep. of these games and it's just that's it? Because... It's definitely a possibility, and I, I could see it happening, which is the the scary part. Yeah. Um, I do think they still have a chance to get in, even if that does happen, because of the team that we can talk about next, the Vikings. So. Uh, out of the three, because we, we've talked about the Saints, I think they definitely still have a shot to make it in as a wild card if they win out. But it's mostly they're contending for the division. So it's really three teams that have a shot to take the final two wild card spots. So someone's going to be the odd one out. And I think even if the Seahawks drop one, it's going to be the Vikings. The Vikings' current schedule um, contains two games against the Lions. They have to play the Lions twice. That's rough. The chances that they will sweep the Lions is very low. So even if the Rams win out or they drop one against the Niners and the Seahawks also drop one, so the Rams are above the Seahawks, I think the Seahawks will beat out the Vikings just because of how tough that schedule is. Because the other game the Vikings have is against the Packers. Not a cakewalk. Not a cakewalk yeah. at all. So that's... Know. That's kind of where it's sitting. It looks to me the NFC playoff picture looks a lot clearer than the AFC one does. The AFC one, you have about seven or eight teams that can fit the final two spots. In the NFC, it's about three to four, and I think the Vikings are currently looking really rough unless they can turn it on in the last little bit. But if they can turn it on, then they control their own destiny. If they win all three, they're in. Yep, they're in. No, I I think. I don't think I don't think I have much to add on to that. I I pretty much agree with you. I think that uh, the chances of them beating Detroit twice is rough. I think that there's a better chance Detroit sweeps sweeps them than the Vikings sweeping Detroit. I think 
So, I don't know. I don't necessarily like their odds, but like you said, yeah, they can do it. If they if they somehow pull something out of their ass, they can do it. So. Yeah. Which I'm really hoping they don't, frankly. I was <laughs> I was I was so happy that the Bengals won that game against the Vikings. Like that was that, that was a great game. I loved every second of that. But um I think that's that's about it for the NFL playoff picture. I mean, there's again, there's some other team like we could talk about the Bucks, but they're I think they've got a pretty clear shot at winning that division. Um, otherwise, I think it's pretty much set. But it's going to be a, a, a very interesting last three weeks, like definitely. Um, and thankfully, I don't have any more school or anything to restrain <laughs> me from being that's a true. degenerate and sitting on my couch for nine hours and watching Red Zone. Like this is the this is the perfect. This is the most wonderful time of the year, and not because of Christmas, but because of NFL football. Thank you, Mr. Goodell. You truly <laughs> bring the Christmas spirit with you wherever you go. Okay, so moving into the NHL, we've got the firing of DJ Smith by the Ottawa Senators, who uh, are currently sitting tied for last in the East. I'm not sure where they are compared to some teams in the West. Not quite. The West is a little worse. But still, compared to what we all thought the Ottawa Senators would be prior to this season, it's been a rough go for them. Because they've they've got a lot of talent on the roster, they just haven't been able to figure it out. They've had a couple injuries. Like, it's just... It's been a rough... It's certainly been rough for the last little bit. And it's ended off by them firing DJ Smith. He's gone. They're going to have to try something completely new to try and revamp things. I mean... I just don't know. I don't know if I have an answer. Like, it's... it's. What else would you add to this Ottawa Senators team to really improve them? It would be my question, I yeah. guess. It's so tough because they've had such high expectations. And, um... I mean, DJ Smith's been there for a while. Like, he was one of the high, longest tenured um, head coaches before he got fired this last week. And... Yeah. It sucks because it. I feel like every going into every season, going into this season, it always seemed like the Senators are doing something good. They're building something good. Ever since they've they got Brady Kachuk, it's like this team has potential, but they've never paid that off. And they they've are, never paid that off. Like Shane Pinto is out. Thomas Shabbat. Like this defense looks rough without Shabbat. I won't even lie to you. Yeah. Like Sanderson's fine. Yeah. Chitron's pretty good. Like, Hamannick, legendary Flames trade that made no sense. Um, I mean, what really can you say about it? It's it's not incredible. Like, but it's just weird that they're not winning. Because their top six yeah. is really good. Like, it's... It's just, it seems very strange because when I look at this team, I think playoffs. Maybe not a high playoffs, but I think, like, you know, they could make it in the back end maybe as a wild card. Like, they could, like, I don't know. It's it's very strange to me that they are in the position that they are. I think they should be a lot better. And it, I don't and it's, really and it's have like, an answer. No, and I mean, I don't even know if... Um coaching was the issue i mean i guess at this point it's the only thing you can point to and say like this roster should be better than its record it has to be the coach but i mean like everything you hear about dj smith like this guy is beloved in the ottawa locker room 
like it's not like a Mike Babcock situation where he is like a, actively a cancer in the locker room and is making the team worse. DJ Smith has not been that. He's there's a reason he's stuck along around as long as he has. And it's because the players love him and they genuinely think he makes them a lot better. Um, but I guess when you're when you're at this point where you've been poised to break out as a playoff contender for like three to four seasons and you're still sitting and and you're still sitting in the bottom half of the Eastern Conference, it's like something has to change. So I don't. I don't blame Senators management with their new owner um, and Lauer. I don't blame them for pulling the trigger on DJ Smith. And in fact, I think we had a segment when they when they fired Pierre Dorian, and I think I brought it up in terms of how long do you think it's going to be until G- DJ Smith goes, and I don't think it was all that long. No. Um, they clearly just want a clean house because as – good as everything has seemed on paper and as good of a rebuilding job that I think it's seemed like they've done on paper, nothing has worked out. And that's what's tough about it. Because um, you're just looking for answers and at this point you're just kind of firing darts at the board and hoping something works because something has to. And there's got to be something they can do. So I guess DJ Smith was just the next domino to fall. Yep. Yep. I think... Uh... The more I write, read on what people have come out and said after his firing, the more I can see he is a good he is a co- good coach, just not the maybe the right place. Like uh, Ottawa just needed something new, like you said. I think it's as simple as that. Like even if the players loved him, it's not about what. If you can't show it on the ice, then it doesn't matter, right? Like they can be the nicest person in the world, it won't matter. Yeah. Like. I don't know. It is... It's. I, I don't know what's next for Ottawa, I guess, is kind of what I'm... The thing that I kind of wanted to lead into, because do you really think a coaching change is going to turn around this team? Like, do you could you imagine the Ottawa Senators right now making the playoffs at the end of the year, bringing in a, some interim head coach? I don't know who they've had, but... Uh, um. So, yeah, they brought in Jock Martin, who I believe coached them in the past. I believe this is like a this is like a, a Daryl Sutter type move, um, where they're bringing in a guy who had success with them in the past. I can't. Um, okay, he didn't have, he didn't he didn't coach for them actually. He coached for the the Blues, the Blackhawks, and he coached the Nordiques slash Abs in their. Um, I believe when they were really good. Um, oh. Oh no, he did coach the Sens. I don't know why this this wicked. Yeah, no, he did coach the Sens. He coached the Sens and from 1996 to 2004. So okay. it is a pretty similar move to, to Daryl Sutter in terms of they had um, decent success under him. Very veteran um, coach. When they coach like, not new to it. Very veteran coach. Yeah. yeah very... Which might be good for this team, honestly. Like I think bringing in a vet vet guy, maybe he has more of like an older style, wouldn't be a bad thing. But I. Based on what I've heard from DJ Smith, I feel like that's almost the opposite. <laughs> opposite to two opposite yeah. styles. Because it sounds like Smith kind of had more of a... Like... He had more of a buddy-buddy relationship with a lot of his players. It's a safe bet that... Uh, what was his name again? I I missed it. Jacques, Jacques Martin. Jacques Martin. I think he'll probably have a very good chance of like having quite the opposite. I think he's going to... If I obviously I don't know much about his body of work, so I can't necessarily. I'm guessing is what I'm saying. Don't 
take this to the bank. But I think uh, it would be shocking to see Ottawa being held a lot more accountable, and maybe that's what a lot of these younger players need. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's something. I can't, given with how that approach has worked, because we've had this conversation a lot on the podcast yeah. in terms of, like, that these different coaching styles and whether the, like, Daryl Sutter type approach actually works in today's NHL. And I think we've kind of come to the conclusion that it's not quite as effective anymore. But I, in, I still think in, it's, in it a situation a place, like... But it has a you place. gotta walk a line. Like, it's, it's like a lot of yeah. things where there is a very, very thin line between being, like... I don't know. I don't know what the right way to put this would be. Like... Being Between hard being for strict and being an asshole. Yeah, like... <laughs> basically, basically, like, and you can tell when you're in those types of locker rooms, you can feel it, right? Like, you can tell the difference between a coach that's just gonna take it out on you because he had a bad morning, and a coach that is gonna take it out on you because you deserve it and you lost six nothing, right? Like, the best coaches yeah. know when to do that stuff, and I think uh, that's something that a lot of the older coaches like Babcock and. Uh, I mean, Daryl Sutter, I guess, at times, where it's just, like, it's too much for a lot of young players. Like, they, there have been arguments made where it's just, it. that's why it doesn't work anymore, right? Because those coaches take it too far. I still think that there's a place for it, and I don't think you can just have your coach be buddy-buddy. Because if you want to win, that's not the way, that doesn't work. You can't be best friends with your coach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think it'll at least be a good perspective change. Um, because I think you're right. It's about treading the line, and we don't know Jock Martin in terms of what he's like in the locker room, or we, or what. Obviously, he's had success before, but that was kind of in a different different era. We don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but it is a change from everything that we can see. It seems like it's a change in perspective that might be needed for this team. I will say, obviously, very small sample size in terms of uh, the games that Jock Martin has coached now. Um, but you do kind of you have kind of seen this year in terms of a new coach bump. And um, this is kind of a thing across all sports where a coach gets fired and then immediately after the team starts per- performing better. Um, you saw that in Minnesota this year um, when their co- coach got fired, I think they rattled off four straight wins. Yeah. Um, I believe similar thing has happened in St. Louis. They had the whole thing about um, Kairu speaking out against, uh, like saying something like, oh, I can't comment on that. He's not my coach anymore. But then they did eventually turn it around. And um, I think I've been playing a little bit. I haven't been watching them too closely, but I think they've been playing a little bit better. The Sens have not seen that. The Sens have immediately started Jock Martin's coaching career by losing two straight. Um, which, again, very small sample size. Doesn't really say anything. But um, a lot of the times you do see that coach bump, but that hasn't happened yet. Maybe nope. it's a little bit of a longer-term thing in terms of this new philosophy needs to be instilled in them. Um, but we'll see. There's lots of the season ahead, obviously. And I think for the Sens at this point, it's not about making the playoffs. It's just about showing progress towards something that they can hang with good teams and that they can win close games and that their defense gets better. Yep. Yep. I, I think uh, the nice thing with this Ottawa team is that they can't really get worse. Like, uh, yeah, that's kind of the main thing that comes from this firing, where it's just the type of thing where it's just, no matter what, there's not a lot of risk to it. You were you already have only ten wins on the year. 
what's the worst that can happen, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's all I got to say on it, really. Like, it's just yeah. you're you're taking a shot at something and just seeing what'll happen. I mean, maybe they can have some kind of like bull crap like turnaround. Probably not, but I guess who knows? They're not eliminated, so there's always a chance. No, no, I mean, they can, but again, yeah, that that that's they definitely can. But you're you're also right in terms of like they they have nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose. They're so far out of it at this point that they have absolutely nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, which is is crazy. Like they that we both the expectations that were on them at the start of the year. Yeah. So as much as I can kind of nitpick the the firing of it, like I I, at this point. Because normally I don't like this in terms of firing a beloved coach like halfway through the season. And when you have a good roster, I'd normally say patience, patience, patience. But this is not just a this season issue. It's a last. No. It's a the last three years issue. So it was time to pull the trigger. And I don't know how good the Jock Martin's going to do as an interim coach, but maybe they can find somebody else in the offseason. Who knows? Either way, it's, things are looking bleak for the Sens. So the biggest story in the NBA is the Pistons are approaching history. Um, they have not been a good basketball team for a long time, um, but this is probably a new low for the franchise. They have currently, with a loss to the Jazz, who haven't been that great, it was a chance for them to, to win a game. But they lost to the Jazz yesterday, 119 to 111, and that meant the 25th straight loss for this Detroit Pistons team. The all-time record for most losses in a row in NBA history is 28. So they dropped three more games, and they have the record. Um, they have good young talent. They have Kate Cunningham. They have Jaden Ivey. They have Asar Thompson, who they picked up in this year's draft, who's been playing pretty well. But, um, Simon, you look at these next next three games, two against the Nets, one against the Celtics. Do you see them picking up any wins in those? What's wrong with this Pistons team? <laughs> Oh, that's a hard question to answer. <laughs> I don't know if I have an answer for that. But I I don't know if I do. They've lost to a lot worse. And, I mean, the Nets are pretty good. The Celtics are really good. It's going to be tough. They've got an uphill battle for them. But, I mean, Christmas miracle. <laughs> they could do it. Who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. If I was a betting man, I would probably say I think they have a good chance of tying it. But, again, who knows? Anything can happen, right? So I guess we'll just have to yeah. find out. But And the game, the game that they will have to potentially beat the record will be against Canada's own Toronto Raptors. Yeah, the which Raptors not have a... not been bad. Uh, yeah, the Raptors have been pretty mediocre, so it's a that one's probably I think the the best other than another game against the Jazz coming up. I think their best chance to snap the streak, because um, then they've got Rockets who have been pretty good. Jazz we talked about Warriors, Nuggets, Kings. It's not looking good. How is this team two and twenty six? Like you, like. They have, like, seven players. Or how many? One second. I'll actually count it. Seven. They have seven players out averaging more than ten points per game. 
And they have quite a few guys who are not far off getting higher than that. Like, they have so much young talent on this team, it's nuts to me. Like, the more I look at it, the more I'm just blown back by the fact that this team sucks. I really yeah. thought they'd be rather good. Like, I'm a big fan of Cade Cunningham's game. I've always liked him since he's come into the league. And he's just, uh, he's been he's been the bright spot, but it's not been enough, obviously. Like, 22 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists. That's not bad. It's not bad. He's got Bogdan Bogdanovich. 21, 2, and 2. I mean, I guess you just have to, every, people have to step up, but I don't know who. I guess James Wiseman was a story before this season. And on and off throughout his career as a fairly big bust. Because a lot of people, including me, thought he'd be very good coming into the NBA. And he's currently sitting on the bench averaging 7 points, 4 rebounds. He's one guy that I kind of hoped would have a breakout season this year. It hasn't happened yet. I mean, and they've got plenty of guys who you just look at as... Obviously, you kind of hope that they'd be better. But, like, Killian Hayes is another one for me where I look at it and go... I definitely thought he'd be better by now, and he's nine points, four assists. Like, they just have people who a lot... They just have busts. Busts is a mean word in this, but I don't know what else to say. Call them, really. Maybe that's too early. But it's just, they need these young guys to step up. I yeah. don't know. They do, and, and, and I mean... Because you're right, they have the talent. Because I, I think Kate Cunningham recently came out and said, like, we're not 2-26 and 26 bad. And, I mean, I kind of believe that just based on, like, the talent they have on the scene. Cade Cunningham alone should be – I was should thinking – Give them one extra win. Um, it's just – I honestly think it's just, like, a combination of this team not being very good. I mean, for the talent they have, it's not like they're, they're, they were challenging for the playoffs anytime soon. Um, but it also is, I think, just – significant terrible luck in terms of losing this many games yeah. they started off the season with a winning record because <laughs> i mean two they started off two and one and then just since then it's just been awful again and again and again and again two and 26 is the worst schedule i think i've seen in my lifetime of watching basketball <laughs> like, yeah holy smokes that's bad it reminds you of the um it reminds you of the teams, um, the Philadelphia 76ers teams. When yeah. They were, yeah, it really does. Like, unash- unaba- unabashedly and unashamedly tanking. My phone just fucking fell again. It's not a great setup. Um, um, yeah, but it reminds you of those teams. Oh, 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 oh. I need to figure out how to do that. There we go. We're back. Uh, but it reminds me of those 76ers teams who were trying to lose. Yeah. And this team isn't trying to lose by all indications. Which makes this even more embarrassing, really. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. Like, I think that I think this is really embarrassing for this entire franchise and a lot of players on it. Like, you can go even further down the list of players who I think everybody involved just thought would be playing better. Marvin Bagley is another one that sticks out to me. Where he was a second overall pick, I believe, in twenty eighteen. And he I mean 10 points per game, 5 rebounds. You do, I I personally would have expected more from him at this point in his career, but I guess yeah. not. 
I don't know. This team's this team should be a lot better. It's really disappointing because they really have so much it. young talent that at least I definitely would have hoped would be working out for them a lot better than it is. But it's just not. They don't have. They're not, they haven't been able to make it work. Is that Kevin Knox that I see there? Yeah, another player that I think a lot of people thought would be a lot better. Like they've got yeah. they've got so many players on their roster that just. This is probably the most busts on a roster I've ever seen. Like, it is pretty nuts when you look at it like that. They just need more. Yeah. And it's, um... It's kind of just like the the going gets worse for a team that's uh, already had a pretty rough last almost, like, 15 years. Since, yeah. since 2000, the 2009-2010 season... Can you guess how many times they've made the playoffs? In that whatever, how many years well, that is? It's like almost. The Drummond teams weren't bad, but I can't remember if they were a playoff team. I I'd guess twice. Perfect, right on the money. Yeah. And in both of those, they lost in the first round, yeah. and they weren't very good to begin with. Um, the two seasons they made it, they had records of forty-four and thirty-eight and forty-one and forty-one, so barely above five hundred. What years were this that? team has not both... been good for a while? Uh, okay. 2015, 2016, yeah. and then twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Oh, really? Was that that be yeah. after Drummond? No, no, that wouldn't be. Drummond was still there at that point. But uh, yeah, yeah, since Dr- at the very least, since Drummond left, this team has been terrible. Which is weird yeah, to say, I, especially well, considering it, how bad, or not bad, but not how not as good Drummond has been since he left. So it's just, and for everyone involved, it hasn't been working out. Yeah, and I mean, to your point, since that season, um, with the impact of Drummond, they have gotten above 20 wins in a season only once in 2021-2022, and they only did that by three games. And they're, wins, not using wins, they're not wins, using the picks very wins. well. No. Like, Kate Cunningham, obviously Other than that maybe one Kate worked Cunningham. out pretty damn well, but, I mean, everybody knew he was going first overall, so whoop-de-doo. The yeah. rest of them have not been very good. Like, there's a point when I yeah. thought, like, I'm pretty sure it was Edwards that got taken above Wiseman, and I thought that was dumb. I thought Wiseman should have gone first overall that year, I think. Which should show the hype that he in, in hindsight had. yeah in hindsight yeah. in hindsight it's not anywhere close to that right but it's just i don't even know what this team i don't have an answer for you i think it's a whole i think you need to if things don't improve at all you need to do a full rehaul completely because there's there it's not going to get better like yeah and you need to help out. yeah i think you're right and I think I think a couple things. I think first, just to to kind of bring up the comparison we made to the 76ers earlier, they are the team that holds the record with 28 yeah, straight, I, and they also I, hold the second spot with 26 straight. So they're reaching that that level. Um, in terms of what you said about blowing it up, um, we kind of talked before the podcast about Monty Williams, um, yeah, current coach of the Pistons, who I believe. I might have to double check myself, but I believe he's the highest paid coach in the NBA after his success with the Suns, um, bringing him in to hopefully change some things. Do you think it's worked out pretty well. that? Uh, yeah. Do you think? Do you think at this point you can fire him? 
fucking me. <laughs> like, that should never happen. Like, that... I don't know. Obviously, the NBA is a little but, different. But it's just... With the contract you give them, and with that, the... That's the... He's only had one season. That he's is only the had only, one season. Oh my god, Caleb. 25 losses in a row. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. If... If, uh... If Huska for the Flames lost 25 games in a row, would you be calling for his yes. head? <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, you would. But yeah, at this point, like, it's like, is is the coaching change going to do anything? Is he the I, problem? No, I, I don't know, but you got to do something, right? Like, if they break... Yeah. Like, they're, they're, like, what else do you do here? Like, do you trade for another superstar who's, by the way, not going to want to come here to help out Cunningham? Because that's the issue with Detroit. It is so, like, uh, the team... Like, it's just, they're in such a bad spot right now that I don't really have an answer for them because I don't know who they could even trade for that would actually want to stick around long-term with how, like, with the history this team has. Like, who yeah. wants to sit here and just, unless they truly, truly believe they can be the thing to turn this around, who wants to come here and just lose games with Cade Cunningham? Like, it's just, the guy needs some help. It's such a rough spot. Um, and I mean, like, the thing is, he's had success. I don't know. It, it's so it's so hard to say, because you're right. I mean, like, a 25-game losing streak should get people fired. Um, yeah. But I'm at the point where it's like, I don't think anybody's going to be able to come in and do any, be- no, any I, better. I don't disagree with that at all. I just think that, I mean... It's just... I mean, he's, he's, two, he's only two years removed from being coach of the year. Yeah, well, he's only one day removed from his 25th loss in a row. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, it's, I don't know. I If I was the GM, he'd be gone. But then again, the contract makes that rough. So, I don't know. That's too yeah, many I'll losses give, I'll for see a if team that's give... not trying to lose. Yeah, but you, you, you have, with the contract, it's, yeah, historic. You're saying historically lucrative, so I'll, I'll, I'll get the details on it. That just makes it impossible. So it's it's six years, seventy-eight and a half million dollars. Um, <laughs> it eclipses Greg Popovich's eleven point five million. Um, and oh, only only a handful of NFL coaches have a bigger. Yeah, that's rough. highest paid coach in the NBA, more than Popovich, Steve Kerr, Spolstra for the Heat. Um. And those are three coaches who only actually, like they're consistently good. Le- legendary coaches. Yeah. yeah. Um like Monty Williams the, is, he was good with the Suns, but before that, I mean it's not like he had a long tenure. Yeah. And just just to, just to put it in perspective in terms of the larger kind of sporting landscape, um, he makes more than Every MLB coach, every NHL coach, any college basketball, football, any of that, more so like more than Nick Saban. Um, only, only in all of in all of sport, at least North American sport, um, only Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, Pete Carroll, and Sean McVay make more. That's it. Jesus. That's it. That's wild. And all of those, all of those people have had sustained success and all of their teams are currently at least somewhat good i guess popovich was kind of having a rough a rough year with the spurs but his his resume speaks pats for himself haven't, pats <laughs> haven't been very good lately but i mean 
you could see why. He, oh yeah, that's still here. That's also <laughs> true. But Bill, Bill Belichick, same Belichick, same kind of thing as Popovich. As far as yeah, or it's just like awesome. people. People know he's gonna. If he wants to win, he'll win. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's the Pistons are in a terrible situation. I don't even know how you get out of it. I don't no, even know. What and that's do. been that has been the story, or that has been the main point. I think we've both made here, where it's just like, sure, we've thrown out ideas. I would not, if the contract wasn't as bad, I wouldn't be opposed to trading him, but or not trading him. Sorry, <laughs> getting rid of him, just cutting all. Because you have to do something, right? Like, that contract cannot hold you from... Like, because what if it goes longer? What if they get to 28 and they're like, ah, oh, we broke the record, darn. And then they lose another 10 because they're sad about it. Like, what then? Yeah, because it's it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility. I no, mean, like, because we, we were looking at their schedule. Their, their winnable games, I think, are the Raptors, who they previously lost by, like, 30 points to. Um... The Jazz, who they just lost to um, yesterday, and then they've got like a murderer's row. Yeah, the Spurs. I'd think it's probably. I think it probably ends with the Spurs, but that's not until January tenth. And at that point, they've already lost another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, nine games. If so, it doesn't end with the Spurs, though, like Houston aren't crazy good washington isn't crazy good like those three games right there are very winnable for them but like yeah and they played they played they play houston before that but i think oh, Houston's do. better yeah. than you think yeah no Houston's I, better than you think yeah i'm aware i i i don't i'm not saying houston is terrible i'm just saying that they're more winnable than a bucks or golden state which isn't controversial yeah i mean golden state does technically have a worse record than houston right now do they really god yep steph curry's a bust <laughs> i think that's the ultimate takeaway from this segment steph curry's a bust yeah take it to the house <laughs> don't cut don't cut monty williams what they should do is they the the warriors should just cut steph curry he's he's a bust he's out of out of his yeah. prime not as good anymore 28 points should have 29 what's he doing anymore anyway yeah, I don't know. Garbage player. Yeah. You know what, actually, to add one more thing onto this that I just noticed that is crazy, Chris Paul is averaging 8.5 points per game right now. What the hell? <laughs> Why is he so bad? He's got 8 points, or 8 assists yeah. per game. So it's still like is he start is he is he even starting? He's averaging he's averaging twenty eight minutes per game. So you'd think he'd be better. Oh wow! But yeah, I guess, I guess he's just old. I don't know. Well, I mean, you would have thought that he'd still be able to shoot. Like that's that's a little nuts. I don't know. Warriors are a weird team, but that's not the team we're talking about. We're talking, yeah. we were talking about the Pistons. They suck. You could throw me in there; they'd they'd probably win just as many games. <laughs> yeah, okay, wait. What before before we move on? That's just that's just uh, what? Okay, the worst regular season of all time is the twenty eleven twenty twelve. Yeah. Um, Charlotte Bobcats. Bobcats. Yeah. They they only won seven seven games. Do you think the Pistons are going to challenge for that? No. The Bobcats were significantly worse. 
Like, when I look at this Pistons team, Cunningham is, like, the one shining thing, right? Let's, like, what year exactly did you say? Was it 2011? Uh, 2011 to 2012. 2012 Bobcats. Like, if we actually take a peek at their roster, you can see what I mean. Like, you probably won't recognize yes. a single name. Like, they they have... I... You, actually, there's one name you'll recognize. <laughs> I think I'll recognize more than you think. I, I've, I've looked into this Bobcats team before. Oh, have you? Okay, well, yeah. Kemba Walker is, like, the one that would stand yep. out. He was a rookie at the time. And he was not yeah. the Kemba Walker that we later kind of saw. Like, they were – like, how many points did Kemba Walker actually average that season? He was – where is it? Come on. Where's points per game? Why is it all the way at the back? He averaged 12 points per game. The best was by uh, Corey Maggot, I believe it was, and Gerald, and Gerald uh, Henderson, who are two names that are not exactly household names anymore. So, yeah. I mean, this team was bad. This team was worse. So, I... Although, it is it is only a partial season right now, but the, the Pistons currently have a worse winning percentage. They currently have the Do worst winning really? percentage of all time. Yeah, yeah, but I what I mean is I think that Detroit at some point can win a couple. Yeah, no. It's like, I and they also like... have the benefit of... They also have the benefit of playing the Spurs a couple of times, who currently have the ninth worst winning percentage in NBA history with their 2024 season. Jeez. I don't know. I mean, we'll some see. Bad, some bad basketball. Yeah. Some bad basketball being played at this least year. The, yeah, I was going to say, at least the Spurs have the, uh, like, seven-foot whatever <laughs> shining beacon of hope. Yeah. He's learning basketball tips from Bedard. It's going to be great. He's going to bounce back. <laughs> the whole thing's going to work out great. Thank you, everybody, for watching the Trick Play podcast this week. If you haven't already, make sure to check us out. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, wherever you can find us. Um, if you're looking for us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, boom, I've got it by now. Right there. <laughs> Fresh Take Network. Um, you know where to get us. Look up Fresh Take on your Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Whatever you may get. Um but yeah, check us out. We'll be we'll be back next week. Um, taking a taking a couple weeks off in the last little bit, but we will be we will be back and consistent from there on out. Yeah, um, that's the plan. Yeah, yep. Um, but yeah, I will end. I'll do a I'll do a super super quick shout out. I feel like I've been I feel like I've been negative on the last couple editions of the podcast, and I've been. Uh, I've been mad, but it's the it's the Christmas spirit, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give a positive shout out. Um, and my I I think you'll get a kick out of this, Simon. So my my shout out this week goes to my girlfriend Bo, um, because she got me I think the best Christmas present I'm gonna get all year, which are these amazing Seahawks sunglasses, <laughs> these bejeweled Seahawks sunglasses, um. Wow. that are modeled after the Seahawks win glasses that they've been putting on this season after they win a game. Um, I love those so much. And these are also fantastic. Um, these are incredible. I cannot really like see anything through them, uh, but it doesn't matter because I, I think I just look incredible and this is truly my final form. Um, so shout out to my girlfriend for taking the time to make these so that I can truly um, be the insane Seahawks fan. Seahawks win. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That that's always been my goal as as a person. Like I think my 19 years of life have been leading to this specific moment. Oh yeah, for so sure. So that's my shadow for the week. <laughs> um Oh. I don't know really if I have I I have to come up with a shout out now. Shout out uh Igor Sharangovich for the Flames for being surprisingly <laughs> good out of nowhere and turning the season around almost like that and Connor Zari. Put Connor Zari's name in your head for Calder. Because there is not a lot of people talking about him, but he has given That's... Bedard a, a run for his damn money. And it's been entertaining to watch. I don't know. I don't know about that. That Simon. I I feel Yeah. You're lagging a bit, by the way. I don't think you can hear me. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up. So thank you so much for watching. Make sure to check us out in the next couple weeks. I think Caleb something or other may have died. So that'll just do it. Um, What else? What else do I have to hit on? Make sure to check us out everywhere you can while we look at Caleb's MacBook keyboard. Uh, make sure to check us out on Instagram, TikTok, all those places. We generally have quite a few hear me. shorts. Oh, yeah, we can hear. I can hear you now. But we have quite a few shorts generally coming out on TikTok, Instagram, all that. Make sure to check us out there. Yep. That's pretty much it. I don't know if I have anything else that I need to hit on for this outro. No, I think that's it. So, bye.